Now, I want to transition um, into this next part by asking you a question. And I'm going to take you back to your elementary school days and maybe middle school days to maybe a not-so-fun experience that some of us had back then. How many of you would say that you know what it's like to be the last kid picked on the team? How many of you know? Hold your hands up high. All right, nothing, nothing wrong with that today. There's no pressure for, for what's going on with that back then, today, okay? So we're all good. We're healed from all that, right? Maybe, mostly. So here we were, you know, back then, whenever that was, however long ago that was, we're standing in a line of other kids, you're like waiting for the NFL draft, you know, like hoping like I'll be picked first, you know, okay, if not first, maybe second, maybe third, but please don't pick me last. Like, I don't want to be picked last. Nobody wants to be picked last, but we know somebody's got to be picked last. We just hope it's Johnny and not me. You know, somebody else get that, that fun adventure, but please don't let it be me. And then often we had standing in front of us, the cool kids or the popular kids who were the, the captains and the captains are kind of looking through the, the crowd, looking through the line, picking who they want to be on their team. And so I pick you and then I, uh, I pick you and I pick you. And as we're looking at those being picked next to us, uh, the line gets smaller and smaller until there was one. Wasn't that just a horrible feeling to, to be that one? And if I have brought up some bad memories this morning, stop by our care center before you leave. Uh, we'll have somebody pray with you, pray for you. Like, you, you're really okay now. You really are. But we understand what that's like. Even if you've not been in that experience, we know what it's like to, to be the last one picked on the team, to be the last one picked for the promotion, to maybe be overlooked for that job or not get the job. Like, we get that, and we understand that's not a fun experience, and we hope we don't have it. But I want to tell you something amazing about God. So when God was searching the world to pick people for his team, he was actually looking for a group of people known as a nation. And when God was looking for a nation to represent him well to the world, God did the craziest thing. He did not pick the most powerful nations like Egypt. He did not pick the most popular nations like Babylon. God picked a group of people no one else would pick. He picked a nation called Israel that had only known slavery in all of their existence. So for 400 years, they had lived as slaves, and God came to them and said, I pick you. And they looked around and said, us? We're nobody. We're a slave nation. God said, I pick you, and I'm going to be your God, and you're going to be my people. And I'm going to teach you how to represent me well to the world. And now I'm going to find you a captain. And they were looking for a big captain, somebody with military experience, somebody would lead them well. And God went and picked somebody nobody would pick, including the Israelites. God went and picked Moses. Where was Moses? He was hiding in the desert for 40 years because he'd murdered someone in Egypt. And God came to Moses and said, Moses, I pick you. I want you to be the captain of my team. And Moses said, me? Like, you can't pick me. Like, I murdered somebody back in Egypt. You want me to go back to Egypt? That's not going to go real well. I can't talk. I'm a bumbling idiot. Like, I can't get words out of my mouth. Like, you can't pick me to go speak to Pharaoh. That's not going to go well. I'm not a leader. I'm too scared. Pick somebody else. And God said, no, I pick you. I want you to be my leader. 
And I want you to free the nation of Israel from slavery and lead them to their own promised land. And that's what God did through Moses. So here's what we need to understand about God. With God, no one is ever picked last. No one. It doesn't matter how qualified or unqualified you feel, how valued or unvalued you feel, how loved or unloved, how worthy or unworthy. God picks you and says, I want you to be on my team. You're that valuable. I am for you. I'm not against you. That's what we're exploring in this series together. So as we continue, we're going to stay with the Israelites today, and we're going to learn something that God told them to do after they experienced their freedom. So after they experienced their freedom from slavery, and there were some supernatural things that got them to that spot, then God started to teach them the best way to live. He said, listen, here's how you interact with me as your God. I know you've never had a, a real God before that shows up in a real personal way for you. So let me teach you how to live. Let me teach you how to govern yourself. Let me teach you how to interact with each other. Let me teach you how to interact with the world around you. And then in Exodus verse 25, God said this to Moses, their leader. He said, tell the people of Israel to bring me their sacred offerings Accept the contributions from all whose hearts are moved to offer them. We'll get back to that in a minute. And here's a list of sacred offerings that you may accept from them. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen and goat hair for cloth, tanned ram skins and fine goat skin leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil and the fragrant incense, onyx stones and other gemstones to be set in the ephod and the priest's chest piece. Then in verse eight, God explains why he wanted the Israelites to bring this stuff. In verse eight says, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. And you must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern that I will show you. Now, let me explain what a tabernacle was and why it was important back then. Basically, this tabernacle that God wanted the Israelites to build was a big tent. It was a big tent that they would carry around with them while God was leading them to the promised land. And whenever God would stop... They would set up this tent, and that was the place that God would reside, and they would interact with God. When God wanted to speak to them, that's the place that they would go. They wanted to speak to God, that's the place that they went. So it was like a portable temple. And back in those days, a temple was a really big deal. If you were a nation and did not have a temple, that meant you didn't have a God, your God was too weak or you were too poor to build a temple for your God. And if you were too poor, that meant your God was weak because your God didn't prosper you enough to build him a temple that you could show off to everybody else. And when people came into your land, you could say, look at our temple, how great our God is. Our temple's amazing. Our temple's better than your temple, which means our, better, our God is better than your God. And if you didn't have a temple, it meant that you were basically a nobody, Another reason the temple was important was because it was the place that your God would reside. So it was believed that gods would live in these temples. 
And again, if somebody wanted to go talk to their God, that's where they would go. So when God told Moses to tell the Israelites to build a tabernacle, it was a big deal to them. I mean, it was, it was for them like getting a driver's license. Like, hey, we got our learner's permit now. We don't have like the real temple, but we got the tabernacle, this big tent that we can carry around and set up. And that means God is going to live among us and he's going to be our God. So it was a big deal for them. Now, if you are part of our prep team, uh, I would say, just imagine what it's like to carry around our building that we would have to set up in addition to setting up for church. Like, that's the context for them. And uh, we're all grateful that we don't have to do that. But for Israel, they eventually did build a temple. So they built a temple in Jerusalem in five, or 959 BC. It was later destroyed in 586 BC. And then they built a new temple, reconstructed that temple. It was nothing like the original, but that happened in 516 BC and then was later destroyed in 70 AD by the Romans. Now, scripture says that God is going to allow the Israelites to rebuild their temple one more time. And it'll happen in Jerusalem. And if you're ever interested in end time stuff, that's what that is, we're talking about there, and that's where that fits. And we're going to be talking about that later this year. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff, just keep coming back, and we'll be dealing with that stuff later. Now, let me explain how this applies to us. One of the things that we believe God wants us to do, to be for Flagler and to be for the future, is to buy land and then eventually build a building where we can continue to serve our community and lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. So we need to buy land, we need to build a building eventually for that to happen. But there might be a few people here thinking, you know what, like I understand what scripture says and it says that since Jesus' resurrection, we don't need a physical temple anymore because God's temple moved from an actual building to our bodies. And if you're thinking that, you're right. You're right. Our bodies are the temple of God. And we don't need an actual building to serve our community. We don't need an actual building to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. We've proved that over the past 10 years of not having our own facility. And we've seen at least 672 people come to know Jesus over the past 10 years. And there were seven people here last week that raised their hand and said, I want that. I want a relationship with Jesus. So we don't need a, an actual physical building to do ministry, but we can still benefit greatly when we do have a facility of our own that allows us to serve our community in bigger ways. And I, I want to show you an example of what can happen when a church actually gets a building of their own and how that can transform their impact in the community. And I brought a video I'm going to have you watch. And this video is not our story. It's South Putnam Church's story. Well, that church was led by Brian and Karen Baker, our most recent pastoral staff hire. And they led that church for 15 years. And they led them to buy land, to build a building, and then buy a building that was next to their property. And so I want you to hear their story and how their story can impact our story and our impact in our community. So let's watch this together. In early 2004, God asked a core group of 10 people to start a new kind of church in Southern Putnam County, Florida. 
their target audience were people who were far from God. They would become known as South Putnam Church and affectionately SPC. SPC held their first public worship service in September of 2004 in a small rural community center located in Pomona Park. Children's and student ministry proved to be a challenge in the small community center, and soon God opened a door for SPC to meet in the premier facility in southern Putnam County, the Putnam County Family YMCA. SPC relocated to the YMCA on Easter Sunday of 2005 and continued there as a portable church until Easter 2010. Sunday was the only day that SPC had the use of the facility, but God was preparing this little congregation for something that no one could have imagined in the future. In 2008, God led Pastor Brian Baker to cast a vision for the future of SPC that would be bigger than anyone could imagine or dream. That's how you know it's a God thing, because only He can accomplish it and only He can get the credit, said Pastor Brian. On July 20th, 2008, SPC committed to buy 6.97 acres of land adjacent to the YMCA, where it currently met on Sundays. By the way, they had less than $1,000 in the church operating account, $599.30 to be exact. Guess what? God provided $50,000 cash in just a few months' time, and SPC was able to purchase the land and begin phase one of building their very own facility. One week prior to Christmas 2009, SPC began construction on its first permanent facility. This new facility would forever establish SPC as a legitimate community member. Phases two and three were completed within four years of moving into the new facility, and as ministries expanded, SPC continued to grow and people continued to connect to Christ and His church. Multiple services were added and the staff was hired to accommodate the growth and expansion of new ministries. Because of God's blessing, it soon became apparent that SPC needed to expand again. Little did they know that God was already at work on their behalf. Remember that YMCA building where SPC used to meet as a portable church for six years? Well, it was vacant, bank-owned, and literally sitting in our own front yard. To make a long God story short, we purchased the 25,000 square foot facility in July of 2016 and launched new ministries and partnerships with other organizations such as the Police Athletic League, Putnam County Parks and Recreation, free senior adult lunch programs, disaster relief distribution, Feed the Need Food Pantry, Connect Ministry for Students and Children, and a newly launched free medical clinic called Putnam County Medical Mission. There's no doubt that being in that new facility helped us to increase our ministry impact in significant ways. And that's what will happen at Epic too. When we have our own building, Epic will be viewed as an established member of Flagler County, and we will be able to make an even greater impact for Christ. It can never be just about a building. It has to be about the impact. So let's do this, Epic. Let's impact our community by being for people, by being for Jesus, and by being for Flagler. So that's just a great example of what a church building, a permanent church home, can do for a church that's serious about serving their community. 
And one of the things that Brian said there is really true, I think, for us, that it'll help us establish ourselves as a church that's here to stay and a church that's here to help. And I don't know if you realize this, but there is a perception in our community by some that we're some sort of gypsy church, that we may be here today, but we may be gone tomorrow. And uh, often when I'll interact with somebody in our community and we'll start talking about church and I'll invite them to, to Epic and they'll say, where do you meet? I'll say, Buddy Taylor Middle School. And often there's that, oh, you don't have a church of your own. Well, maybe like I'll wait and come when you have your own facility because you just may be gone tomorrow. Like you may not be a legitimate place. And uh, I, I interact with folks that have told me they've avoided our church for months and years because we meet in a school. Now, I love the fact that we meet in a school. I love the fact that we've been able to leverage this facility through the, the work with our, our, the administration of our school. Uh, they've just been so phenomenal. We've partnered so well with them. And yet I do believe it's time for us to take the necessary steps for us to acquire our own land and then eventually build a building where we can continue to serve our community in significant ways. It'll be a place where our care network and counseling center will be operational all week long. It'll be a place where our children and students can come to spaces that are designed specifically for them. It'll be a place where people can continue to come and hear the life-changing message that God is for them and wants a real relationship with them. So I think that's what can happen when we have a facility of our own. Now again, for us, we need to buy land first before we build a building. So let me show you the property that we're in contract to purchase. So uh, this is a picture I've shown you a number of times throughout this series of the property that we're looking to buy is a 16-acre parcel just off the State Road 100 corridor, close to the hospital, uh, right next to the airport, close to I-95, easily accessible from, we think, most parts of our community. And I'm going to tell you the top three reasons why we picked this property. Number one, location. Number two, location. Number three, location. All right, this is prime location. Again, 16 acres. It gives us a lot of opportunities for, for growth with that. And what we did not want to do was we did not want to buy a piece of property off the beaten path somewhere and then spend thousands of dollars every year trying to help people find where we are. We wanted to buy a piece of property that people could easily find where we are, where we could say, hey, do you know where the airport is? Yeah, we're right next to it. Do you know where the hospital is? We're right next to that as well. You know where Tom Gibbs is? Just around the corner. We're in that neighborhood. We think that property is amazing property, great location for us to serve our community in some bigger ways. Now, I want to go back to Moses, the Israelites, and the tabernacle. In Exodus 35... Moses told the Israelites, bring the special offerings that God was talking about so we can build a tabernacle for God to have a place to live among us. And after he told them that, verse 20 says, so the whole community of Israel left Moses and returned to their tents. All whose hearts were stirred and whose spirits were moved came and brought their sacred offerings to the Lord. They brought all the materials needed for the tabernacle, for the performance of its rituals, and for the sacred garments. Both men and women came, all whose hearts were willing. That's what we're asking of people who call Epic their church home. 
And I've told you throughout this series, you heard in our intro video as well, what we believe it's going to cost us over the next two years to begin these initiatives. We believe it's going to cost around $2.5 million. And I've explained over the past few weeks that that's a big number, but we're actually closer to that number than we realize. And here's how we break those numbers down. 1.5 of that 2.5 will increase our operational budget and allow us to start our counseling center, our care network, and hire more staff. And the really cool thing is, if we stay on the same pattern that we've been over the past 10 years, if we keep stepping up and giving at that level, in the next two years, we will bring in $1.5 million. And that's amazing. And that helps us to serve our community the way that we have. Now, in addition to that, we're hoping to raise $1 million that will help us purchase the land and finish phase one of that land. And so uh, we're closer to that bigger number than we realize. And what we're asking is if you call Epic Home and if your heart is stirred, if there's something inside of you that, that just jumps when you think about maybe somebody that you work with, maybe somebody that you go to school with, maybe somebody in your neighborhood, if, if something stirs your heart when you think about them understanding that God is for them and God wants a real relationship with them and God is picking them to be on his team, then we ask that you would prayerfully consider giving. Prayerfully consider the part that you can play in helping us reach our community for Christ. Now, I know that there are probably a few people here that can't wait for me to stop talking about being for Flagler and how we can give towards that. And if you're in that spot, don't worry. In just a few weeks, we'll be done with this whole series. But you need to know that we will always talk about being for people. We will always talk about being for Flagler because God is for us and we need to show that to our community. So that's a part of our DNA. If you're new with us, I hope that what you're hearing throughout this message today and possibly throughout this series is that God is for you. He's not against you. And we want to be a church that proves that to our world. So if you're excited about that, we invite you to just keep coming, to be a part of our church family, find your fit and help us serve our community. But again, if this is your church home, And if your heart is stirred, would you prayerfully consider giving to help us before our community? When the people of Israel responded to what Moses asked of them, the most amazing thing happened. Moses had to tell them this. In Exodus 36, Moses said this, don't bring any more gifts for the sanctuary. We have enough. Now, I'm curious, has anybody ever heard a pastor say, you've given too much, stop? Anybody ever heard that in your life? We actually had one person in the first service say they've heard that. In my life, I've never heard that. But I think that could happen. I think it really could happen. As we get so passionate about our community, knowing that God is for them, I think God could do something supernatural through us that we could raise more than enough to serve our community well. So let me tell you what's happening next Sunday. Next Sunday, we're having a special service. This is kind of the end of our series together. Um, And we're calling next Sunday's services our Commitment Sunday. 
So it's the day that our church family is going to come together. We're going to worship God through communion, through song. We're going to have some other special elements. And then we're going to come together to turn in what we're calling our intention cards, the intention that we have of what we're going to give financially over the next two years. years. Again, if this is your church home and if your heart is stirred, I hope that you'll be a part of this with us as we come together to make a declaration to our community that God is for you, and so are we, and we're willing to put our money where our mouth is. So I hope that you'll be a part of that with us. Now, a big part of that is our intention cards that I've been talking about over the past few weeks together, and there's one on your seat. So if you'd grab that for just a moment, I'm going to walk you through how you could fill one of these things out. And um, before I tell you how we can fill it out, I'm going to tell you why these are important. Okay, there's all kinds of ways to, to run through a generosity campaign like what we're doing and trying to raise money to, to buy land. And uh, this is one of those ways. And we chose this path, this strategy, um, for several reasons. The first reason is this. It can help us with our uh, strategic planning. So it can help our staff plan for the future. As we see what God is doing in us as a church family and what it looks like we're going to be able to bring in over the next two years, we'll be able to adjust up or down based upon what's turned in by these cards. And so uh, that would help us significantly with strategic planning. The second thing, that these reasons these things are important, because it can help confirm what God is saying and can become an act of worship for us. And those two things happened for Tammy and I as we were praying and asking God the part that he wanted us to play, what he wanted us to do. And as God was asking us to step beyond our tithe and God started pointing out some other things that we could give towards this, when we wrote that down, it was a confirmation that God was speaking. God, we've heard you and we know what you're asking us to do over the next two years. So God, we're asking for for you to show us how to keep fulfilling that and to do what you've confirmed in our hearts. And then when we turned it in, because our leaders went first, when we turned it in, it was an act of worship where we said to God, you're for us and we want to be for our community. And so God, we're worshiping you by what we're going to be doing over the next two years. And every time any of us gives towards these initiatives, it'll be an act of worship. So it can help with strategic planning and be an act of worship of our God. So let me show you how you can fill one of these out. And um, if you can't see it out there, it'll be all right, because it'll come up on the screens. It'll come up on the TV here as well. So we're looking at this side that's got like a math problem over here on the right-hand side, and then it's got our initiatives on the left-hand side. And so um, I'm going to walk through this in three different ways this morning, and that'll that'll hit different groups of people, because we're all in different places. And uh, you don't have to do what God's asking somebody else to do. You just have to do what God's asking you to do if you're part of our church family. So let me walk through this the the first time. So let's say that you're in a spot, maybe you're just out of high school, just out of college. Maybe you're in a spot where your career is just starting. Maybe um, you're struggling financially. And maybe you've never given to a church before. Maybe that's like a radical idea. And you come in, you hear about this, you're like, never done that before. So when you look at this chart on the top right-hand corner, there's a line and it says, what I or we normally give. You would write zero there. You don't normally give, so you would write zero. And then let's just say you felt like God was saying, like, why don't you stretch and give $500 this, this next year? So you write $500 in that second line of your expanded giving annually for Flagler. And I'm not great with math, 
but zero plus 500 makes 500. So as you go down that line, all right? So are you impressed with my math skills? So we go down this line, you get 500 here. And then we're going to the right times two years, what we intend to give over the next two years, and that would make $1,000. And then let me talk about this stored gift thing. So a stored gift can be anything where maybe you have access to, to some, um, something that you could liquidate. Maybe you've got some financial resources available to you. Maybe you'd say, you know what? This year, I'm getting a nice tax return. And I would like to give a portion of that back to God for Flagler. So let's just say that number was $500. So you would add that up. You'd have $1,000 plus $500. It would equal $1,500 that you would want to give over the next two years. So that's one way of how this could look for some of us. Now, let's say that you're in a different spot financially. Let's say that you give percentage-wise. There's a percentage of your income that you give regularly back to God through our church family. And let's say that amount is $1,000. And you sense, you know what? God wants me to expand that as well this next year to be for Flagler, and I'm going to give $500 more. So you'd add that together. You'd have $1,500. We go to the right times two. That'd be $3,000. And let's just say that you're in this new company and you're going to be getting some bonuses. And maybe you're involved in sales and you know what your bonuses might be if you hit certain markers. And let's say you decide, you know, I think maybe I want to give a portion of my bonus over the next two years. So let's say that that amount is $2,000. So $3,000 plus $2,000 equals $5,000 of what you might want to give over the next two years to be for Flyler. Okay, so that's option two. Now, another uh, option could look like this. Maybe you're a tither. Maybe you give 10% of your income back to God through a local church, and let's just say it's $10,000. All right, so that would be what you normally give, and let's say you felt like God was stretching you to give five more thousand dollars in a year. So you'd add that together, that'd be $15,000. Take that out to the right, times two, that would make $30,000. And a few of you are, are starting to breathe heavy right now, going, what, $30,000, you're crazy. I get it, I know. So $30,000, and then for the stored gifts. Let's say that maybe you've got a stock portfolio, and you say, you know what, Like, there's some stock that I would love to sell to give to be for Flagler. And let's just say, making up numbers, but let's say that's $10,000. And you'd want to give $10,000 out of your stored gift. So you add those together, that would be $40,000 that you might want to give over the next two years to be for Flagler. Now, you see, there's all kinds of numbers here and all kinds of options. Um, for some of you, we haven't even begun to hit the numbers that you operate in. And most of us would like to go to lunch with you later today. But again, just a reminder, you're not asked to do what the person sitting next to you is asked to do. If this is your church home, if your heart is stirred, just ask God what he wants you to do. And then you just take that step and do what God has asked you to do. So I'm asking that you spend some time this week praying through this card and asking, God, what part do you want me to play? And then you can bring this back, fill this out at home. You can bring it back next week. We'll have some cards here next week as well for those who might have forgotten them. And we'll have a special service uh, where we will come together to be for our community. Now, let me tell you where we are on the land. So in 14 weeks, we have a closing on this property, May 29th. 
We were set to close. Uh, the purchase price is $650,000, and we are praying to close with cash. We would rather not take out a loan to purchase this land, uh, even though we are willing to take out a loan if we need to. We've got some great momentum going towards this, uh, this land purchase, and we're really excited about that. But if we don't close, either with cash or with a small loan, then we will lose $125,000, which we do not want to happen. So we're asking for God to help us bring in those resources over the next 14 weeks. And I have a mixture of emotions in me about this. Like 14 weeks, there's an excitement. I go, in 14 weeks, we're going to have our own property. There's another side of me that goes, it's 14 weeks, and we got to have enough money to close. So have that mixture of emotions. But we're excited to know that God knows how this is going to play out. He's got this figured out, and we've been praying uh, throughout this process that God would do infinitely more than we can ask or think, and we truly believe God is going to do that. So again, we're just asking for you to prayerfully consider being a part of this with us. If you can give a cash donation before March 29th, on or before March 29th, that would help us determine whether we need to take out a loan or not. And if you can, that'd be great. If you can't, um, whatever that you sense God might want you to do would be fantastic. If you are new with us, or maybe you have missed part of this series so far, I hope you'll pick up our Four Flagler folder before you leave. Inside this folder, you can pick it up at our Connection Center, but inside we've got uh, some prayer uh, items for us as a church as we're walking through this whole series. We've got some key dates to remember. We've got a pathway to generosity chart that can show us what it looks like for us to step forward in generosity. And then we've got a booklet that tells the history of our church, what God has done over the past 10 years, and what we feel like God wants us to do over the next 10 years. And it's got a huge question and answer section. So if you've got questions about this, there's probably an answer inside this booklet. And if you've got questions beyond what are in this booklet, I hope that you'll ask us. And so what we're doing today as we end our service, we're going to do something a little different than normal. So normally we end with a song. It's a responsive time. But today we're going to end. And then Tim, our executive pastor, and I are just going to be available up front. If you have questions about Four Flagler, about any aspect of it, just come up and ask us. We want to make sure you're operating with good information. We had some great discussion this morning in our first service. And if you've got questions, please come and ask us. We'll answer them for you. But before I pray, I want to read you an email that I received at the beginning of this series. So after the first message in this series where we learned that God is for us, I got an email that week. And I want to read that to you because for me, it captures why We need to be for Flagler. So listen to this email. I don't know if this is the right place to send this, but I just need to say thank you. I have come to Epic quite a few times over the past few years, but could always find a reason as to why Epic was not the right place or the right church and why God was a waste of my time. You see, I was raised in a Christian household, was at church every Sunday and Wednesday, and went to a Christian school for five years. But the people teaching me about God, the school, the church, my parents, allowed my life to be hell at their hands for six years, and I blamed God. 
Why would he allow these people, the ones who are supposed to protect me, to sit back and watch my life fall apart at such a young age? When I joined the Navy at 18, life just got worse. Imagine being 18, get assaulted by someone higher ranking, and then when it was reported to be told that it was my fault. I was underage and had been drinking, but I said no. And I was punished for what happened to me. So I turned to alcohol. It numbed the issues that I had from my childhood and what happened in the service. I was diagnosed with depression, anxiety, and borderline personality. Went through treatment for alcoholism. Alcohol cost me my Navy career. Shortly after getting out, I got married, had a baby. Marriage and babies were never part of my plan. So I started drinking again, a lot. Almost wrecked my marriage because of it. I stopped drinking for almost two years after that. Now I rarely touch the stuff. I was diagnosed in 2018 with an autoimmune disorder that has me struggling every day. Struggling with my health problems, struggling with depression and anxiety. It makes it hard to be me, hard to be a wife, a mother, an employee, hard to be a person. So I turned to something new to help me numb the pain. I finally snapped. I allowed the cycle I went through as a child to start again. And I hit rock bottom. I am so broken. I had no idea how to put myself back together. So I came back to church at the exact perfect time. I figured that nothing else was working. So I would give church one last shot. The message was, God is for you. And I have issues with God because of the stuff that happened as a child. But all I can think since Sunday is God is for you. It brings me comfort. Got me through another day. I'm at work right now, struggling to keep my emotions in check and to filter what I say. I'm a wreck. I want to give up, but I swear there is a neon flashing light in my brain that keeps saying, God is for you. And I don't feel so alone right now, even though I feel like I'm barely making it. So thank you. Thank you for the message. I will be back. She is the reason we need to be for Flagler. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of people in our community that feel the way that she feels. And I can just see God saying to this woman, I pick you. I pick you to be on my team because you're that valuable to me. I am for you. She's why we need to be for Flagler. So on that note, how about we pray? <laughs> Lord, we're so grateful for this foundational truth that is so misunderstood around the world. It's misunderstood by people who claim to be your followers. It's misunderstood by people who say they aren't your followers and don't even believe in you. The truth is, you're for us. You're not against us. And you ask your family, which is the church, to prove that to the community around us. And so we've got a big task ahead of us, God. We've got a lot of people in our community to prove that to. And we, we prove that to them by how we live, by how we treat them, by how we love them, by how we serve them. And Lord, I understand that there are thousands of people in our community just like this woman who sent me this email 
saying, I'm at the end, and I don't know if God can be a resource for me or not. And Lord, you want them to know that you are an abundant resource for them. So Lord, we're taking big steps into our community to serve them. And Lord, we're doing it based upon what we sense you leading us to do. So Lord, we know that as you guide us, you're going to provide the resources for this. And you're asking those of us who call Epic home and those of us whose hearts are stirred to join together and give financially, give of our time, give of our talents to let our community know that you are real and that you pick them to be a part of their team. So Lord, guide us as we do this together as a church. I pray that we'll see ministry impact grow exponentially over the next 10 years and beyond. And it all be done for your glory. In Jesus' powerful name we pray this. Amen. If you have questions, Tim and I are available up front. If you don't, have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week.